Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, we join Josh and Kaylee as they reconnect with their old friend Michael. Discover his journey from struggling newcomer to committed resident in Porto. Learn from his experiences and gather insights on creating lasting connections abroad. You don't want to miss this one. Hello, Kaylee, and hello, Josh. Hello, hello, Dan. Hey, Dan. So how's life treating you this week? Yeah, life's been good. Things have been busy as usual, but you know how that goes. Uh, we're preparing for July 4th, right? Yes, July 4th. Pretty exciting. Going to have a big shindig. Today? <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to this, you maybe already missed it, but hopefully you had a good July 4th with that's, those Americans. That's right. <laughs> and then what else we have going on? Of course, the other meetups that are going on in August and this past week has just been, I don't know. Again, I feel like every week I'm always like, oh, it's busy because there's just always something to be done. Flies by. Yeah. We're a couple of weeks out from a cruise, so that should be a lot of fun. And uh, and then in August, we have a road trip of Spain where we'll be producing some content for the podcast and trying to make some connections for, for you, the listener, between Spain and Portugal, some things that we see that are the same, some things that we see that are different. And just kind of how Spain being the neighbor of Portugal is such a great opportunity to be able to travel, whether it be by car or train or flying to a specific city. Like Madrid's pretty easy to fly to from Porto, Barcelona. Or from Lisbon, Barcelona. Yeah. Right. We know that you ask a lot about 
Spain, Portugal, which one's better because they're so similar. So maybe should I live here? Should I live there? What are some comparisons of cities? So since we are going to be getting a car and driving around Spain, we're going to tell you our thoughts. What about you, Dan? Well, it's been an unusual week here in Chicago. We had smoke from the Canadian wildfires affecting the air quality, followed by a rainy spell. Looking forward to some better weather this week. Whoa, smoke from Canadian wildfires? Oh, that's not good. Sounds rough, eh? Oh, gosh. He with the dad jokes. <laughs> that's not even a joke. <laughs> with the dad accents. <laughs> there we go. That's better. Yeah, hopefully they clear up quickly so that you don't have a poor air quality for too long. Well, that and we hope that no one gets hurt in the fires or anything like that, too. Yeah, definitely. Man, I'm with you on that. What's going on in your world? You guys move into your new place yet? That's a joke. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I wish. Uh, I know. Um, no, so we're we're getting some plans worked on. So it'll probably take a couple of weeks to to get the architectural plans done for the building. And it's approved already for a project, but we do need to uh, get better plans made and then get those approved, um, which the, that approval process should and will be much faster. Uh, there's some like government checks and balances in there where the government can't take too long to uh, approve the process. I can't remember if it's two weeks or four weeks that they have to answer. And it's something like if they don't answer, then it just automatically gets approved. Uh, that's what our lawyer was telling us. <clears throat> Kaylee's looking at me like she doesn't know what I'm talking about, but you remember him saying this. I don't remember him saying that. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's good. <laughs> but no, I mean, we won't be moving into this property for, I would say, another 18 to 20 months. We did, however, just find out that our current landlord is interested in in moving us into a a building development that has popped up downtown that is amazing. That obviously he has a unit in. So so we might be moving from our little humble one bedroom <laughs> into a two bedroom <laughs> uh, for a little bit in between, you know, having our place uh, finished, which will be nice, a, nice a, a change, something different. And we're not exactly sure why he's, he's being so generous. Um, he's a good guy. He, no, he's he so is a nice. good guy. But it's just, it's odd. It's like he could definitely get double what, he's offering to us uh, on the current market, but yeah. But I think it's just, I mean, we're good tenants. We pay on time. We don't make a fuss. So sometimes that's more important than a higher amount that you maybe ask for and then don't even get, or you have to chase someone down to pay you rent. Yeah. And actually this might be something interesting for the listener when it comes to housing. We were invited to his place on Saturday night and he had a couple friends over as well. And everybody kind of sitting around the table they, they're investors. They're investors in property here in Portugal for long-term rental. And they were kind of talking about what they valued in tenants and what they were seeing in terms of their own personal experience with a variety of tenants, a variety of nationalities that they rent to and kind of what they were looking for. And it was interesting that one of the people said that they're concerned about renting to to families with young children because they're worried about um, possibly having to evict the family if something were to go wrong and then how that would make them feel because they're essentially like creating a homeless situation for a child. And it was just very funny. Like it was, it was, it would not be the first thought that I would have, but I understand where their concern is now after hearing that expressed. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Uh, 
yeah, how, how that would make you feel. So they you, were, yeah, they were looking at like, okay, I'd rather, uh, I would rather rent to a single person or a couple than a family. Whereas I think for the American mindset, we're like, no, like rent to the family because the family seems to be more like secure. more stable. Yeah, yeah exactly. Josh, you caught up with your friend Michael recently. You two seem to have a pretty tight connection. Yeah. Yeah. Once I got introduced to Michael, I, I found that uh, he was just such a genuine dude and someone that I wanted to get to know, um, you know, over the coming years of, of being in Porto. And um, I actually I was disappointed to find out that he was looking at leaving Portugal and um, I fought really hard, um, you know, in terms of my conversations with him and like making a big effort to to be connected with him. So I feel like through that process and him deciding to stay, spoiler alert, that uh, I should have said spoiler alert before, but <laughs> too late now. Too late. Yeah. But I, no, I found that during that process, like my feelings towards him without without sounding too sappy, but my relationship with him just grew deeper in that way. Like. We support each other. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. So we're we're so really nice. happy that he has decided to stay. And now he's going to get tickets with us uh, since we have season tickets to FC Porto. And we've roped him into a couple games. He's looking to get season tickets and uh, sit right next to us. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, he wasn't a big soccer football fan um, coming here. But then since going to some games, and he's really gotten into it. Like learning the chants, wearing the gear. He's gotten into it. It's cool. Kaylee, can you share any tips for our listeners on how to make meaningful connections when moving to a new country? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think when you move to a different place, you connect with someone on a different level because you're going through the same kind of transition uh, as they are. So there's adaptation. Yeah. So you're adapting and you're maybe out of your comfort zone and you're learning something different, but you're kind of learning it together. And so you have this... uh, unspoken connection, I think. And so just talking about it and and, um, helping each other through maybe some of the difficult times because maybe someone is having a hard time adjusting or they haven't been able to meet as many people as they thought or whatever. So just kind of opening them, uh, you know, opening up your life, I think, to them is really helpful. Uh, And then you just create this bond that's just very different from maybe, maybe you have a childhood friend that you've, you know, you've known your whole life, but then they stay in your home country and you move abroad and you realize that some of these people that you're just meeting, you have a very deep connection with them because of the mindset. And um, that childhood friend that you've known your whole life, there's a little bit of a disconnect. Sometimes, not always, but there's just something different when you move abroad uh, and you connect with people differently. You just talk about it, help each other out. Yeah. And something that I would say that comes up in the show is we talk a bit about saying yes to things. And you've already said yes to moving abroad. And since you've done that, you've taken a leap and you've gotten out of your comfort zone in that way, whether it's leaving your home country like the United States or you're moving from another country to Portugal, you're, you're leaving something that you know and have known for something unknown. So take it a little step further and get out of your comfort zone and saying yes to opportunities. And you never know what's going to kind of mushroom out of that one time that you said yes to something that you might normally not do. Obviously, we're not saying like do anything crazy and say Uh, yes to that. But like, you know, within normal life circumstances, saying yes to things that maybe you might feel uncomfortable doing. Yeah, like maybe like you said, Michael, he wasn't necessarily a soccer fan, but got invited. So just, yeah, let's try that out. You know, something new. 
We'll hear more from Michael and his experiences right after this short break. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. Worldpost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location, in a livable location, until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Man, it's, it's, it's not often that I get to sit down with someone I truly call a friend and to be able to have a conversation about their experience moving somewhere. So I'm really excited to dig into things with you, Michael. Uh, for the listener, could you tell us where you're from and just a little background on how you got to Portugal? Yeah. So I um, am from the United States. I moved here in August of 21. So coming up on our two-year anniversary um, <clears throat> I was in healthcare, so that was my career. Um, thought I had it in me to do a couple more years before I wrapped everything up um, and felt really comfortable with, you know, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted to move. And then, you know, COVID came along and threw everybody and everything up into a tailspin. And I burned out, quite frankly, before that two-year mark. So I was looking for um, an exit strategy to get out sooner than later. So um, that's when I went full-time into making this happen, making the move happen. How long did it take you? Like, how long was your, your planning process? So in my head, it had been going on for probably the four to five-year mark. I knew that I wanted a different kind of 
I knew I wanted the last part to look different and I wanted okay. a European base for a number of reasons. Um, so in my head, it was a lot longer logistically and, and the piles of paper and going through all those steps. I would say probably a year um, because I had, I had uh, France, Spain and Portugal all in the mix at the same time. And various Ooh, countries okay. took different or had different requirements with regards to timing and submission of documents and how long those documents were good for and, and timing ran out on some and had to redo. So all in all, it took about, I would say about a year. Okay. Well, it's awesome that you had three options. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think you're not alone when you're looking at the likes of Portugal, Spain, and France. I'm sure that there are listeners out there that have at least considered Portugal and Spain. Um, but then, yeah, there's that third option of France, all kind of in the same region of Europe. What were some deciding factors for you on why you chose Portugal over the other two? That's a good question. And I want it to sound, I don't want the answer to sound slanted, but it really, it came down to what paperwork was accepted first and the approval was first. And, sure. and for other reasons that I kind of mentioned uh, before, it was Portugal came through first. Um, there was no reason not to pursue that. Um, so I did. And I, I have never been to Portugal. So it was a real, okay. uh, it was kind of a crapshoot. Had you been to Spain and France before? Yeah. Okay. So the timeline for the, the, the visa process for Portugal was significantly shorter. Uh, I, I would say the turnaround time for getting everything done was quicker mm -hmm. and okay. much more straightforward. Um, I will add that I was denied on my first attempt, um, due to, um, an issue with an undefined amount that they required to have in your bank account. And I could not find, um, any number. I couldn't get an answer from anybody. I worked at the embassy or a, a consulate in Houston. So tell me exactly what number you want to see. We'll make it happen. Da, da, da. I couldn't get answers. And it was denied originally for that reason. So I ended up just wiring a larger sum of money, crossed my fingers, and in 48 hours, they approved it. Right. So they gave you time to correct that thing. Yeah. That, yeah. that again, is ambiguous. Like did, there's, yeah. there's so, not a, a, like a set rule. No. And yeah. they say, we'll, we'll give you a week to remedy this. This finding so mm. like, is that five business days? Is that seven calendar yeah. days? When does it yeah. start? No answer. It's very, it's very American of you to ask that as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So, if you don't mind me asking, and I know that obviously you said this happened in 2021, and now we're in 2023, so times have changed, things have moved on. But how much did you initially put in the account? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I, I, I want to say I just did a very basal amount of like 2,500. Um, okay. Just to show that I had something in a Millennium Bank account domiciled sure. in Portugal. Yep. Um, to show some kind of good faith. Again, I couldn't find on blogs or this or that any kind of a steadfast number what that was. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting because we we knew someone else that applied around the same time as you, and they did five thousand and were accepted at mm -hmm. five thousand. Mm -hmm. So I guess twenty five hundred is too low. Uh, so, that's interesting. Yeah. Again, like we, you know, we've obviously moved on two years from from when the process was like that. So who knows if that's the same? It right. could have been the person on the day that took a look at it and Absolutely. they didn't like it. Absolutely, right? Yep, could have been in any any reason, and you know, the person next to me could have had two thousand and was approved. Yeah. Okay, but they had a different person processing exactly. their stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, well, good. So you you had the option of Spain, France, Portugal. You decided Portugal sight unseen. Right. What, what was that like, making that decision? And then I guess when you arrived out of the airport, seeing the city, Porto, for the first time? Well, I arrived um, in Lisbon. Right. Okay. So my, my first visual was an early morning arrival um, after a very harrowed day the day before getting my dog and everything out of Newark onto a plane mm. coming over here. <clears throat> so the first blurry eyed scene I saw was this amazing, you know, Iberian sunrise, um, gold, yellow, you know, opening up in the sky and a brand new, a brand new country. So it was very, um, it was very exciting. Did it feel like a new start? Absolutely. Yeah. The minute, the minute it was wheels up out of New York, um, it felt like this was a brand new day. Awesome. And Heart zero was pumping. Zero regrets. Okay. Awesome. So you didn't travel alone. You nope. traveled with, with your your dog? I came with my dog, thanks to largely thanks to Kaylee's video. Uh, okay. And I've I've thanked her for that. For, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, good. I'm glad that video helped. It did. Uh, I know that I know that she enjoyed putting that together because she has a soft spot for animals. So yeah, do I, but I think hers is softer. And you know, it's all it, it's just logistics. And again, it's a matter of yeah. you know an example of what is a bank account requirement. You know, you can go to a number of different places and get a number of different answers, but which one is right? And yeah. I found in my in my situation that that video was very detailed, very explicit about timing and documents and the sequence in which those documents had to be submitted and accepted mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to actually get a dog on a plane. So. Okay. Well, we'll put a, a link in the description yeah. section below for people that want to, to head over to YouTube to see the video Yeah, because we do not have it in audio format for them. Not yet. Anyways, uh, we'll speak to produ producer Dan about putting that together. Okay. So you've, you've moved over, you were in Lisbon. Did you stay in Lisbon? Yeah, we stayed, <clears throat> pardon me, I think three days first. Okay. Um, so I had a, a good friend of mine from work, uh, back in the States that came with me, helped, you know, wrangle the luggage and all that. It was a mm -hmm. trip for her to get away. So we, I wanted her to see Lisbon for us to like breathe a little bit. Um, and then three days we rented a car and drove here. Okay. And you settled in Porto. Correct. How long did it take you to find an apartment? Uh, so for the visa uh, requirement submission, um, I, I did a basic Airbnb search for something that was a long-term rental prospect. That was pretty easy. The yep. most difficult part of that was me committing to, you know, pulling the trigger and say, you know, yep, I'm going to sight unseen, rent something for six months. Yeah. So that was very easy. Once I got here, um, the person I rented from was also a expat living between San Francisco and here. She understood. Um, you know, I said, now I'm here. How do you feel about me after my self appointment looking for something that is going to feel like home? Mm -hmm. So I started looking for an apartment and that was pretty easy. It was before things started to change and the inventory has decreased and it's gotten a lot um, more tight, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Found a great place. I just renewed my lease for three years. Wow. Um, yeah. So not not difficult. Did they try to raise the rent on you and make it like more to current market? Minimally. Minimally. Okay. Yeah. And I, and maybe this is good for your viewers too, something that I've learned through this process is um, 
they're not so standard fe- standard feature of uh, AC and heat or like a, you know mini split system or mm-hmm. uh, hose washer things like that. So I negotiated in those things or asked for them, and for fifty dollars more, fifty euro more a month, I got it all. Nice, congrats! Yeah, congrats. So I'm assuming that that you've got some some people that you've been meeting over the past maybe like let's say six months that have been moving to Portugal and talking to you about their situations. Interest, no? Interestingly, not so much. I mean, I've met okay. um, scattered people here and there who have maybe landed recently that are waiting for their self appointments. That kind of a time period of the process, but yeah, nobody like on a, a recon trip, you know, checking it out or just filled with questions about you know what it's like, what do I do, how do you feel about it. Have you talked to anybody that has kind of a pulse on the or an experience with the current market conditions? Uh, for rentals? Yeah. 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 What it's, are people saying? It's it's uh, they're surprised at the prices. Um, yeah. And it's much more difficult to find those places that check all the boxes of what you know maybe a person has in their mind about, mm-hmm. you know, that that perfect place. I would yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for example, we pay seven fifty where we are and we did have something similar where we negotiated um, a few things and then had the rent increase by 50 euros. So yeah. we were at 700 uh, during our first contract period. Now we're at 750. But what we've seen online for something that's comparable, comparable to what we live in, it would be like 1100, 1200 on the current market. Yeah. And and to me, that's just insane. Like, I don't know, I don't know if we could have afforded moving to Porto in in twenty um, twenty when we moved here. Uh, if it was like that, mm-hmm. do you feel the same way? Do you feel like f- fortunate in a sense to be to have moved in twenty twenty one when you did, kind of during the the pandemic restrictions that we had here? Well. I don't, for me, I don't view it in those terms. It wasn't a, okay. a dollar amount that made me feel comfortable or not. Um, okay. And part of me was, you know, it's a mixed thing. So during COVID, it was very quiet here. A lot of stuff was still shut down and locked down. That made it more difficult yeah. to get out and about and meet. Yeah. Um, so I would say that for me, that really didn't, didn't play a part. Okay. Okay. So let's talk a bit about some of the difficulties because I know that it wasn't like smooth sailing the whole time uh, since since you got here and tried to integrate. What were some of the, the roadblocks that you experienced uh, first moving here? So the, the biggest roadblock, and I think, you know, had been for me, um, again, being integrated and, and getting mm-hmm. plugged in. I felt like I had done and was doing all the things I, I had in my toolbox to get out there and see people get plugged in and and move forward, which I was really, mm-hmm. really excited to do. I, I, you know, I, in my head, I had this whole new life planned and, and that was it. it was happen. Yeah. Um, I've always traveled. I've moved around on my own, never had an issue. I've gone places here and there, done all sorts of things always landed on my feet. It's never been an issue, but you know, I'm not 21 now either. So yeah. I think maybe that, and I'm single. So maybe those factors, um, played a part on top of COVID and things being more restricted and shut down. Mm-hmm. But that social aspect of it was by far the 
most difficult thing for me to overcome. In fact, I had planned to go back to the States because I just couldn't overcome that obstacle. I felt like no matter what I did. Um, okay. And despite all the pluses and all the great and amazing and wonderful things and opportunities that I knew were here and that I could see in front of me, it still wasn't enough um, to overcome, you know, a person is not an island. You can't be isolated forever. And I didn't know that I was going to be able to break through that last thing. So the bureaucracy, what one would say is the bureaucracy, the, um, you know, changing to a new environment, changing um, languages, all of those things were expected. They weren't an issue. You roll with them and everything was fine. It was just the social aspect of it that was for me. And that hit like six months in. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah. Love the, uh, love the John Dunn quote there as well. No man is an island. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's so true. Like to to your point, I think Kaylee and I kind of survived that COVID period because we had each other, right? We had each other. We had Valencia. Uh, we still have Valencia, in fact. Um, but no, we we were able to kind of have social interaction. And and yes, like at some point, we need social interaction outside of each other, outside of a spouse, outside of a kid. Like you have to have, you know, guys' night or girls' night or whatever yep. it is but it was easier for us to survive like a, a bit longer. So six months of kind of that more isolation, even though going and getting your, your croissants or whatever coffee uh, is nice and the weather right. I'm sure was right. agreeable, but what helped you, what helped you get out of that? Was it simply the fact that restrictions lifted or was there something else that took place? <clears throat> no, it was just one random uh, single event, a very, very kind, uh, kind of an acquaintance that I'd made. Um, you know, I let him know my plans and we were just talking over a drink and I said, Hey, you know, this is, this is where I am. This is what's going to happen. Um, he said, no, I know some people from the States you move from meet me and us or me and the, the group for dinner tomorrow night. Um, at least you could say you've done this, see what happens. Da, da, da. So that mm. next night met a group of people that from that night, every single day, I've been connected to. So yeah. just one random event, unplanned, unexpected, not looking for became the people that I am now, you know, now it's my tribe. Yeah. 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 I think this is, this is really important. Um, kind of the idea of the yes theory is exactly like, like when you're, when you're stuck in a position where you feel a bit of despair or you're ready to give up or whatever, and you get these, these random opportunities, these, these random yes or no type of questions or calls. If you say yes, you, you really don't know like what's on the other end of that. And it could, it could really surprise you. So by you saying yes, your, your friend group mushroomed in about a 24 hour period. It, it, it happened. I mean, it, it yeah. just came to be, I mean, you know, if, if you don't say yes, you don't get the experience, right? Yeah. And I'm a very comfortable introvert, so it's very easy for me to be fine and hang out and have a lot planned. But I've decided this past 18 months, I'm saying yes to 95% of things that come across my plate. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to use that to my advantage. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... I Again, I think I think you were extremely bold in just getting on the plane by yourself. Well, you and your dog. I think that was a bold move. But then on the brink of quitting, saying yes to to being more social, saying that you're an introvert, but going out knowing that you're going to be meeting a bunch of new people and uh, see how that goes. 
Um, I'm really glad that you did because I, I, I honestly think from that night is, is how I got to know you yeah, and, and we sure. became friends. Yep, so, absolutely. I mean, that was, that was really important. Like when, when I got wind that you were thinking about leaving and I had just met you, I was like, what? It's like, no, I'm going to fight for this dude. I want this guy to stay. Muito obrigado. Yeah. De nada, de nada. Yeah. Um, critical. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's great to have you here because of how you're such a linchpin within the, some of the different groups really. I mean, you can, you, you have a way about you where you can float between, uh, you know, many different tribes. Um, so that's cool. Okay. Now I know something that, uh, and you just kind of brought it up subtly. I know something that's also helped you integrate into Portugal and that's language. Yeah. Uh, so what are you doing to learn Portuguese and improve it? So interestingly, we just had our first uh, exam today. So I'm taking um, not the government-sponsored class, but a uh, structured uh, Portuguese class for foreigners. Um, yep. We meet twice a week and progress through the A1 and then A2, which is a second-year series of language classes, which will um, – provide you with a certificate for uh, uh, satisfying the requirements for the, for the long-term visa. Okay. And how do you feel about it? Do you feel like the, the contact hours are enough yep. or yep. should you be doing more? Is it too intense? Well, no, I think there's always room to do more. And have I been slacking or I shouldn't? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's something because we all know you need to practice every single yeah. day. Um, I've been very impressed. There was a hiccup with our instructors. We lost one after the first semester. Uh, the institution, I think, went above and beyond to remedy that situation, to right the ship, to get everybody back on track, to show that they were um, committed to the group and yeah. their mission was to educate us. And they're very disciplined. They're very focused. It's very clear. Um, I think as a group, at least our class and the one, the other one that I'm aware of that's right behind us, we're all very pleased with what, what they're getting. And I, I'm surprised at how far I've advanced. I mean, I would never would have thought that at this stage of life, you know, I'd be taking a final in Portuguese in, in a yeah. different country. Yeah. Trying to learn this language. Nice. And how much is the course? How much does that cost? So per semester, it's 150 per person. 150 okay. Euro. 150 euros per semester. And per how long se is this semester? Yeah, so it's about, um, you know, we'll have three courses within an academic year. So two and a half months with breaks in between about okay. each semester. Oh, okay. I mean, so that's that's actually a lot of contact hours. Uh, like, how, how do I put this? That's a, a very few number of euros per contact hours that you get. Yeah, so for, let's see. Less than a thousand euro, I'll complete my two years of Portuguese class, um, two years of instruction, which I feel is very, you know, it's it's close to being one on one. We have about ten to twelve in our class, mm -hmm. um, very engaging, very back and forth. So I feel it's a great bargain for me. Yeah. Nice, and and sometimes honestly, like you need that, uh, you need that ability to pair up with people that are on your level, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? And, and, and then have a third person, the teacher kind of help with the conversation yeah. and fix, fix errors and whatnot. Are you finding that you're able to go out now on the street and, and use Portuguese more with locals, <laughs> non-teachers? 
Uh, man, how to answer this? Because we all kind of circulate back to the same answer. I feel much, much more comfortable reading and speaking. Okay. But once you're out in the wild and you start listening to somebody, it is, yeah. it's all bets are off. And that's, <laughs> that's been the most difficult part. And I keep being told that that's the normal course of learning language. Sure. You read it um, and you write it first and you'll hear it and understand it last. So I don't know. Is it getting better? Yeah, I can do the, you know, the things, 90% of the things in your day to day I do in Portuguese and it's totally comfortable. But it's also yeah. very um, routine. Yeah, for sure. I find that I shy away from uh, from reading and writing in Portuguese. I don't know what it is, but like, I much prefer just. I think I think maybe it's a bit of laziness. Like, I much prefer to just try to speak and 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 listen yeah. rather than the yeah. the production part of writing. And then I don't. I'm not a huge reader, anyways. Um, so trying to read in another language is uh, a bit difficult for me. But you know, it is what it is. Yep. So what are some other things that you do socially then uh, to, you know, <clears throat> what kind of lifestyle do you live? What do you do socially to enjoy living in Portugal? Yeah. So um, I'll preface that by saying one of the things I miss is proximity to the mountains and outdoors. Like I know okay. the sea is right here. I've never been a, you know, an ocean person. Um, so I'm trying to take advantage of that. But um just being outdoors, walking around, enjoying the city as much as I can. So many restaurants. Um, high on my agenda this summer is to nail down surfing lessons. So okay. actually next week I'm going to start be easy. Um, getting into that. Yeah. That should be easy. You just need to get a, a wetsuit. Yeah. Right. Because right. it is it is cold water. Yeah. I've identified a couple of schools that I'm going to check out. Um, yeah. And like you said, it's all, it seems very what are the prices for those well <clears throat> from what i've seen the individual hour per hour rates are anywhere from like 30 to 40 25 to 40 euro depending on okay the school, west suit equipment included okay yeah well that's not bad yeah yeah like so it goes beyond just the instruction but you actually get uh to use the equipment as well correct yeah yeah that's that's pretty good then. Yeah. that's that's pretty good yeah okay Go ahead. So was, and then, of course, travel. You know, the proximity to the rest of Europe is right here. Um, you know, new airlines coming in to the Porto Airport makes it all the more readily available. Yep. Nice. Uh, what about gym memberships? Do you get into um, gyms or? I, I've no. I failed with that. Yeah. Okay. I, I've not your not your thing. No, I, I miss it. I really do. I used to. You know, I. I hiked and swam. I did yoga. I did all that stuff before I moved here. And I, I went so far hard the other way of being undisciplined about, because I had no requirements or constraints on me. I didn't do anything. You know, I just kind okay. of, I, I embraced not having um, deadlines or anything like that. Okay. So lifestyle wise, it sounds like you have been able to, to find uh, a social group, find some friends, you've found different social activities that you can get into and, and learning the language will keep you, you yourself like mentally, uh, stimulated. Um, what are some other things that you've done to adapt and what challenges have you found in adapting? You know, I came from one of my career to my upbringing and, and where I lived and all that. I came from an environment of always more, 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 
you have to be doing something. You have to be productive to be of value, to be contributing. You have to do it quickly. You have to be always on the next task. There's always something, right? Mm -hmm. So getting into neutral or even less than that was really difficult. So um, in my head, I knew it sounded good and I had, you know, it fit into that schema of, this new life is going to look so great, just kicking your heels up, going slowly with no constraints and da-da-da. Actually titrating those gears down and letting that be the new baseline has been um, not in a bad way challenging at all. It's been great. It's been um, – it has behooved me greatly. But just adopting – actually adopting that new lifestyle and mode of living has been a challenge. A good challenge, but yeah. I find myself, and I think I've said this too at the grocery store. Like, good Lord, why does it take forever to check out of the grocery store line? It's always so slow, and that and that. Yeah. Who cares? So what? Yeah. Okay. Well, so you you bring me to my next question. What do you really want from life? Ah. What are you seeking? <clears throat> um. That's a whole deep conversation question. <laughs> uh, elements that I'm creating and finding, which are um, a good group and a good community of authentic uh, friends, people, um, core members that are like-minded enough to take care of one another mm. in an environment where you can live a quality life. You know, quality of life has some. Um, I mean, it's individually defined, of course, always. Um, but where you can, you feel like you're living the kind of lifestyle that best fits you. Um, and those are elements that I'm that I'm creating. Somebody, you know, being around people who really want to know you for you, not for what you can provide them and what they can get from you, or who you, they can connect you to or from. None of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so just a very, I actually would say simple, um, uh, simple, quiet, rich, deep, full life. Nice. Which is coming. Yeah. Well, you're cultivating that. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. it, it doesn't happen overnight for sure. Something I want to talk to you about that I think is, is really important, especially for the kind of newbie expat is how... I want to see if you perceive it this way. I think I know your answer, but I want to see if you agree with me on this, how much deeper or how different relationships are when you live abroad, you're shaking your head. Uh, yes. Affirming that. So, okay. I'm not going to, so I want to open my mouth until you finish. Sorry. <laughs> so what, what I've found, and I've had a conversation with someone else about this just this past week is how how shocked they were at how deep relationships get with people when they're living abroad. So even two Americans that meet each other in a foreign country, their relationship they find is deeper than if they had met in either one of their hometowns and then, you know, developed that friendship. Thoughts on that? I couldn't agree more. Um, <clears throat> I, I see it every day. I think in the people that I have conversations with, contact with, it's mentioned or brought up in one way or another. Almost every day, there's something about um, you know, even at the, the meetups that you do and various other places where you're running, or there's something about a 
maybe it's a trite word, but there's a kindred kind of a something that's there that mm. makes it very easy to have these conversations with new people that you've just met that are in that same boat or stage of life or mindset of doing this or doing something different or looking for something that's more authentic and you know has more integrity overall for who they are and aligns with who they are at that point of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I could not agree more that there's a much deeper, richer, authentic connection and uh, almost a symbiosis mm. in that that cohort of people. Okay. Now to go one step further, how have you dealt with losing some of those relationships of people as people have left? Well, I think when changes like that happen, it always makes you question yourself. Maybe mm. I'm objective. So for me, when those things happen, it always makes me question myself. Am I okay. seeing something that they saw? Am mm. I doing the right thing and staying? Da-da. So that's happened with somebody that I was very close, close, very close to um, having met here. And I thought, you know, this is it. We're in like Flynn and another da-da-da. And then yeah. Out of the blue, they're gone. Yeah. So it's a blow, you know? Um, yeah. Because like with anything, you think one thing and the next day you wake up and what you thought wasn't true. So it's hard. Yeah, I mean, Kaylee and I just experienced it with uh, with two friends that left yesterday as a, a family of five, actually, um, and and they were people that we met through the channel and uh, people that we we ended up getting into a, like a, a very you know deep healthy relationship with. Um, they had four daughters that um, that our daughter Valencia just idolized and asked to spend time with on a on a daily basis, and uh, you know, and they they felt like it was best for their family to leave. And it was one of those things where both Kaylee and I had to process that. Yeah. I'm sure that yeah. over the next several months, we'll still have to kind of help our three-year-old daughter process that because she doesn't really understand as much the kind of comings and goings as, as you'd imagine. Uh, and I'm sure it's it's hard for the, the people that leave as well. Because yeah. like we said, the relationships that you develop while living abroad are much deeper. And I think I think it actually surprised the... Um, the, the woman in this couple, whereby she, she was shocked. She was the one I was having this conversation with, but she was shocked at just how deep the relationship she had developed and thought like, I didn't have these emotions when I left the US. Why am I now having these emotions, these bigger emotions? Now I'm leaving Portugal and I've only been here for a year and a half. You know, I, I find that stuff fascinating, but there's, there's something to this she'd been living missing, abroad thing. She'd been missing something and she found something new that fit yeah and that and that and that's what i'm kind of afraid of and then they're yeah anyways that's a different story yeah and you can't you can't unlearn and you can't unsee and unknow what you've learned and seen and you know once you've tasted and once you've experienced it's part of you yeah exactly well okay so i think this is a beautiful spot for me to ask you the question that we love to ask all of our guests at expats everywhere we believe that living abroad transforms lives how has living abroad transformed your life? It's made me a uh, much wiser. I had to pause to collect myself as well uh, a moment ago. It's all great stuff. A much <clears throat> kinder, empathetic, more aware, um, more experienced, more competent, more capable individual without an agenda other than to keep that 
in the forefront and going and to show it and share it to others. Um, I think overall, across the board, it has made me a better person. I don't think I know. You were a great person when I met you, and I really appreciate your time here today. Uh, so if there's an even better version of you, I can't wait to meet them. Thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks as always, Josh. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 